Good morning, everybody. Good morning. One of these days, well, I'll only have to say it once. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Awesome. Excellent, excellent. We're awake. All right, so a few, just a couple of announcements here. Um, uh, first of all, happy Father's Day. Those of you who are fathers, let's have a round of applause for the fathers. Yay. That's yeah, wonderful. <laughs> um, the usual things this week, um, we have our Wednesday activities, uh, 9 a.m. Touchpoint online. Uh, we have uh, kids, church, youth group meeting, adult Bible class at around 6. Uh, that's here at the church, of course. And on Thursdays, we have the Zoom Bible study at 7.30 with Pastor Dean. Uh, yeah. So this morning, I have something to share from us, of course, from uh, Mr. Robert Morris's The Blessed Life. Uh, so here it goes. These are his words. Uh, have you ever wished that you could just reach out and have exactly what you needed right when you needed it, whether that be money, whether that be something that you forgot at home, and when you get to the place, oh, oh man, what was it? And you could just reach out. There it was. You wish you could have just a little bit more of all the things that you needed in your life. I bet you could. I bet you do. Um, there's wonderful news, of course. God is able to do it abundantly. Uh, do we believe that this morning? Maybe we do. All right, maybe we will at the end of this. Uh, of course, this shouldn't come as a surprise to us. Um, this is of God, the God, of course, who multiplied the oil and the meal for the poor widow and her son. He multiplied the strength of the outnumbered Israelite soldiers in battle after battle. And he multiplied the fish and the loaves on a couple of Galilean hillsides. Clearly, God is a master of multiplication. Uh, in Luke chapter 9, we find that account of one of those miraculous multiplications, um, that famous feeding of the 5,000. Uh, there's a snippet of it here. He says, When the day began to wear away, the twelve came and said to him, that's Jesus, Send this multitude away that we may go into the surrounding towns and the countries and lodge and get provisions, for we are in a deserted place here. But he said to them, you give them something to eat. And they said, we have no more than five loaves and two fish, and unless we go and buy food for all these people, um, for there were 5,000 men among them. So he said to the disciples, well, make them sit down in groups of 50. And they did so and made them all sit down. And then he took the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he blessed and he broke them and he gave them to the disciples to set before the multitude. And so they all ate and were filled and 12 baskets of leftover fragments were taken up by them at the end. So you're probably very familiar with this story, um, but let's modernize it and personalize it just a bit here. You may see some things that you've never noticed before. Put your place, yourself, in the place of the disciples. See yourself as one of those 12. You're basically a member of the official Messiah search committee. Um, that means you're trying to determine whether or not this Jesus is or is not the true Messiah. And you've left your fishing boats and you've begun traveling with him on a nationwide speaking tour. And one day, this enormous crowd gathers up. You're very excited because this is the most people ever to attend one of these traveling seminars. You're counting the heads of the households, and you come up with a figure of about 5,000, plus women and children, and that means there's probably 15 to 20,000 people scattered across the hillsides, listening closely to Jesus. You'd be amazed at how far a voice can carry from the tops of those hills. He preaches all morning, and you expect him to wrap up, oh, probably about noon. This is a regular service, right? Um, 
the time that everyone's getting out of church so they can get to the cafeteria ahead of all the other people, right? Uh, but then he doesn't. Uh, he keeps on going. He keeps teaching a little bit. All right, all right. So you think, well, he's, he's preaching. It's pretty good. It's going pretty well. I'm, I'm liking what I'm hearing. Um, everybody else seems to be satisfied with what they are, so we'll, we'll let them just go a little bit longer today. That's okay. That's okay. 12.30 comes around. It goes by. All right. He's still preaching. One o'clock. Two o'clock. Three o'clock. Ooh. Four o'clock, it's all come and gone, and still the teacher continues expounding upon the Scriptures. Oh, boy. Whew. Five o'clock is rolling around, and you're beginning to hear some murmurings. Uh, and the murmurings, it's not just the voices, it's the, the stomach regions of the crowd is starting to erupt. Um, and you go, man, we got to do something about this. The people are getting hungry. I think the, the restaurants, they're going to be closing down soon. We've got to get out of here. Uh, we gotta, the only, all that will be left is the late night restaurants. Ooh, that stuff's no good. Um, you're pretty famished yourself, of course. So you go and you, Jesus, he's speaking out to the crowd still, and you tug upon his robe and you go, oh, sorry, sorry, Jesus. Don't, don't mean to interrupt here, you know, and... Uh, uh, and you're, you're, a little, you're a little hesitant, you don't want to disturb, um, but the people, they're, they've got, they're getting this, I don't know if you've noticed, Jesus, I know you're really into your own message, but the people, they're getting this look in their eyes, uh, I want you to look out at the people, they're getting this look in their eyes, what, uh, we, we need to do something, you see, there's only a baker, just a dozen of us, and there's 5,000, 10,000, 50,000 of them, I don't know what they're going to do, Jesus, if you keep going, and so the Lord turns to you, and he matter-of-factly says, of course, well, why don't you give them something to eat, <laughs> uh, and then goes on and, of course, continues to teach. Um, so you let the implications of these words set in. There's 15 or 20,000 people. What are you going to do to get them something to eat? Now, uh, we may have taken some liberties with the story today and, and hopes to encourage you uh, as you put yourself in those shoes, perhaps, and you see in your mind's eye what is happening out there on that hillside that day. After Jesus blesses the food and he begins breaking it in half, he's handing it to the disciples. And just imagine that you're someone like uh, Peter the Apostle, who's, what's he thinking as he looks down? He's given Jesus a full loaf of bread, and he's broken it in half and given it back to you. Uh, and he's probably looking up at Jesus, are you sure you're through with this miracle, Jesus? This looks like a half a miracle at this point. Uh, you've given me half back. I don't know what I'm supposed to do with this. But he says, no, I have blessed it. Now go, give it away. Give away what I have given to you. So he's walking away with his half of a piece of bread now in his hand, and obediently he's breaking it in half himself and giving it away just as he had seen Jesus give away to him. He's handing out these halves of chunks of bread, and he's breaking it in half again and again and again and finding that it is multiplying. Um, what we often see is something that we've missed in this remarkable story is that the miracle didn't happen in the master's hands. It happened in the disciples' hands. And you know what the outcome is, that each of the disciples were duplicating this pattern, breaking it in half and breaking it in half. And the result was 12 baskets of leftovers. Uh, so Jesus, uh, we all have different things that we are in need of this morning. Um, whether that be finances, whether that be time, whether that be a new job, whether that be whatever it is, Jesus, uh, we come to you uh, to nobody else, but we look to you for our needs. And we 
see that is, you are not just uh, one who, who gives, but you are one who hands off. And you instruct and you bless our hands, Jesus, so that we can also give and multiply and produce something of abundance for those around us, whether that be for our families or our community. Um, so Jesus, as we think of in your word, as we listen to the sermon this morning, we recognize you as our provider, our caregiver, our partner in this world, Jesus. Um, we ask that we would see our situations through your eyes. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. We thank you. We thank you, Lord, on this Father's Day. I know you all have fathers. Some of you are fathers. I'm thankful for my father. He's, I have two fathers in heaven now. And uh, none of us fathers are perfect, and we do make mistakes. Aren't you glad for the redemption and for the forgiveness that we have through Jesus Christ as fathers? <clears throat> but our Father God wants us to know in a new and special way, I believe, this morning, that He is our Father, and He loves us. He loves you. He loves me so deeply. Um, and as we get to know Him more through His Word and through our experience of His love, we realize that. But He is like our Abba Father. It says in Romans 8:15, "So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when He adopted you as His own children. Now we call him Abba, Father and Maybe daddy is a word that we could put there, or, you know, and that, that, um, Papa, Abba. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. But he is, he's our father. You are our father. We're so thankful. 1 John 1.3 says, That which we have seen and heard we declare to you that you may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the Father and His Son Jesus Christ. That fellowship, that koinonia, uh, the New Testament Greek word there, koinonia, it's a sharing, it's a close association partnership, participation, communion. That's what that fellowship is with the Father in our daily lives. And it's moment by moment. It's, it's every moment of the day. Moment by moment. 
Um, there was an author who often referred in his writings to a special day in his childhood when his father took him fishing. The day was fixed in his mind and he often reflected upon many things his father had taught him in the course of that fishing experience together. After having heard of that particular excursion, someone asked the father about that day. And the father's remembrance of that day was nothing of much significance happened. Oh, how wrong he was. That time with daddy meant so much. Or, you know, that fishing, it could be fishing, it could be something else that you do. Back many years ago in 1994, I believe it was for a Father's Day, the Lord gave me a little ditty, I suppose you could call it, a little song. It's a little song called a ditty. I'm not sure, but where did I get that from? It is? All right. Um, but I have it here, and it's really, it's from a child's perspective, and it says, Fishing with Daddy is no small thing. It's a way for making my little heart sing. It gives me the confidence someone does care. I'm special enough for his time to share. We hope to catch fish and while out on the lake, my daddy can help me decisions to make. We talk about weather, we talk about friends. He tells me of ways for making amends. He tells how it was back when he went to school, how he learned to live by God's golden rule. This fishing with daddy some say it's not much, but ask me, I'll tell you, my whole life's been touched. <clears throat> and when I am older and have children too, I know I'll go fishing with them, how about you? We'll catch some nice sunfish what joy we will feel. We'll talk about Jesus and know he is real. Yeah, it touches my heart because I remember all the times with my dad fishing and the things that we did together, not just fishing. But I came to know that deep love that he had for me and for all of us children. There is a tongues and interpretation. It was 
from June 8th of this month, or excuse me, yeah, this, just June 8th that came forth and um, in the interpretation, the word came from God the Father to us, my love is so deep for you, so deep. I don't know if you caught some of those songs again, again that we were singing today that you'll, you'll see glimpses of the songs we sang this morning in this message. But his love is so deep for us and he wants us to know that. It's so deep. And he wants us to experience that. He wants us to know his love for us. It says in Ephesians 3.16, starting, this is the Amplified Classic version. It says, May he grant you out of the rich treasury of his glory to be strengthened and reinforced with mighty power in the inner man by the Holy Spirit himself dwelling indwelling your innermost being and personality. And that's, see, that's what he does. He's, we're recreated. When we receive Jesus as our Savior, God himself, by his Spirit, is joined together with our spirit. We're made a new creation. May Christ, through your faith, actually dwell, settle down, abide, make his permanent home in your hearts, and may you be rooted deep in love and founded securely on love. That's what that love does when we know it. It brings us security or confidence. Then it goes on, it says that you may have the power and be strong to apprehend and grasp with all the saints, God's devoted people, the experience of that love. What is the breadth, the length, the height, the depth of it? And that you may really come to know practically through experience for yourselves the love of Christ, which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience, that you may be filled through all your being. See, the knowledge without experience, we may say, well, that, that's just a tradition or that's just a religious thing that we're doing. But this is a talking about a real relationship with God himself. That you may be filled through all your being unto all the fullness of God and may have the richest measure of the divine presence and become a body wholly filled and flooded with God himself. I was listening to a song this morning the longer I serve him, the sweeter he grows. And I believe I can truly say that. And I'm, I pray that you would say the same. But the, long, the longer you know the Lord and you serve him, the sweeter he grows. 
and his presence, it's like, well, it comes to the place where there's just no time when you aren't conscious of his presence. He's always there. Isn't that wonderful? But this is the consciousness of knowing that he loves you dearly. He loves you dearly, deeply, deeply. He couldn't love you anymore. I mean, he just loves. God is love. And this following scripture here that we're going to read, you actually, I believe, in, at least in parts of it, you could actually replace. This is 1 Corinthians 13, 4, and you could put up the first verse. But it says, love endures long, but we could say, and this is in relation to us, but then, of course, God's love is in us, and that can flow out to others. But this is the God kind of love. This is that agape love, we say. The Greek word for the God kind of love. But you could put God in there. God endures long. Now think of this in relation to you today. God endures long and is patient. And God is kind. What is God like? says he's patient and he's kind because love is and God does the Bible say God is love? Yes. yes it does love never is envious nor boils over with jealousy is not boastful or vainglorious <clears throat> does not display itself haughtily it's not Conceited, arrogant, inflated with pride, not rude, unmannerly, and does not act unbecomingly. Love, God's love in us, does not insist on its own rights or its own way, for it's not self-seeking. It's not touchy. It's not fretful or resentful, it takes no account of the evil done to it, pays no attention to a suffered wrong, it does not rejoice in injustice and unrighteousness, but rejoices when right and truth prevail. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes. It's ever ready to believe the best of every person. And God believes the best of you, for you. He believes in you. God believes in you. Totally. And you can count on that. He believes in you. And his desire for you is that you would fulfill the wonderful plan that he has, he has for you in this life. And his hopes are fatalist, under all circumstances and love it endures everything without weakening that's love in Jesus Christ God does not look to you condemningly we put condemnation on ourselves 
And if we see where we miss it, well, we just go to Him and we receive cleansing and get back on track with Him. And now, our Father God wants us also to allow that love, allow Him to flow through us too, for fathers to our children or to our wives or you just whoever you are, the people that are around you. Ephesians 5.1 says, Therefore be imitators of God as dear children. And walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. And we could say walk as children of love, right? Walk as children of love. You know, there's a, a true story. There's a true story. Um, it's from Spain. This is from some years ago. It's of a father and a son who had become estranged. And the son ran away, and the father set out to find him. And the father searched for him for months. Everywhere he could think of, he searched for him. Here and there and everywhere. Checked with friends, old friends and so forth, but he could not find him. It was all to no avail. But finally, in a last desperate effort to find him, the father put an ad in the Madrid newspaper. The ad read, Dear Paco, meet me in front of this newspaper office at noon on Saturday. All is forgiven. I love you. Signed your father. On Saturday, over 800 Pacos showed up <laughs> looking for forgiveness and love from their fathers. The Father, our Father God wants you to know that he loves you and through his son, he's forgiven you. He so loved you. He loves you so deeply. And this is, of course, for those of you that are here with us in this room, but for you that are watching online, you know what you know the verse probably, John three sixteen, for God. You can say it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. He so loved us. He loves you so deeply. And he knew he would have to do this before the foundation of the world. But he 
had that in his plan because he wanted to have fellowship with us who were created in his image, who are his children. You know, when we're born again, we have God's DNA within us. We're his creatures. We're his children. We're adopted by him. He recreated us in Christ Jesus for good things in this earth. And he desires for us to walk with him and talk with him. And if you have strayed from him, from that close walk with him, this is the day on this Father's Day that he's calling you back. You're just like the prodigal son. You, you know that story? You know, the, the son came back and he says, well, I'll be just like a ser- I'll just be a servant to my father. I'd be a lot better off than where he ended up with nothing, eating what the pigs were eating and so forth. But we know the story too, that story, that wonderful story. When the father saw him afar off, he dropped what he was doing and just started running toward that son. The son that had blown it totally. But the father loved him deeply. He came and hugged him and killed the fatted calf. They celebrated together. Well, that's what the Lord wants with you if you've strayed from him in that close walk. Let things of the world come between you and him. He's saying, come home. Come home. Come home, you who are weary, come home. You can't sustain that can't stay that way, come home. And I will receive you. You're not going to find condemnation with me, God our fathers would say. You're going to find arms that are wide open for you to receive you and to hold you close. That's what the Lord is saying to the whole world can be backsliders, but it can be those that have never received Jesus. It's the time to receive him. Let me tell you, it's the time. Don't wait. Today is the day of salvation. Today is your day. Just receive him. It says here in that verse we just quoted, for as many as believe in him will not perish. And that's a decision. That believing, it's a decision that we make. I'm going to believe in the Bible and God's Word. And I make that decision. And I'm giving my life to you, God. I'm giving my whole life to you. It's a turning, it's a repentance from our ways and the world's ways to God's ways. You know, Jesus paid the full price for our salvation. We say, well then, it's a free gift, and it is a free gift. But on the other hand, it's a giving of our whole life to him. But that's quite an exchange, isn't it? 
It's a pretty good one. Pretty good one. And now he calls us, he calls you and he calls me to know that love, walk in and experience it, live as though it's true, walk as children of love and light, and to be those light beacons in our lives, showing forth that light, that love, to those that are in a dark world that seems to be getting darker. So your light can shine brighter. And be always ready to plant the seeds of God's word in people's lives. Always be ready for that. You know, the day will come when you can't do that anymore. If Jesus, you know, if it's your, your day to go to heaven, you know, that's the real reality thing when someone passes physically from this life. We sang that this morning. When we see him face to face, that day is going to come for every one of us. Nobody here in this whole room or watching out there is going to be exempt from that. It could happen for all of us if, if, if the rapture comes, you know, before we die physically. That would be kind of neat, I believe. Yeah, amen. <laughs> you can go together. But we also all know, I'm sure, the reality of a loved one or someone close that has made that transition. That really brings the reality of eternity to us. And it brings the need for us to be workers in the harvest. Jesus said, he looked out and he says, the harvest is white. It's ripe. It's ready for harvest. He says, but the workers are few. The laborers are few. So we're part of that team, aren't we? The laborers in our lives. And we're ready. In fact, we pray for those connections, those contacts where we can... It's, sometimes it's planting seeds. Other times it's harvest time. But it's being ready to share with someone. You might say pulling in the net. Just to say to someone, and maybe it's you out there listening now, or maybe someone here needs to do this now. But the thing is, just to let them know, God loves them. He's not mad at them. He's not angry at them. He loves them. He gave his son for them. He gave his only son for them. And he died for them. He was on the cross, but he rose from the grave. He came forth as that, you know, he went forth as that lamb that was slain, but then the lion that we sang about this morning. We want to all be doing what we can together as a local church body, but then we think of the church in northern Minnesota here, but then a church around the world. It's the time for planting and harvesting in this hour. But tell them, Jesus, God loved you so much, he sent his son Jesus for you to die for you. This is what the Bible says, tell them. John 3.16 is a good one. It tells it. And then go to Romans 10, 8, 9. It just says, if you believe with your heart, 
that Jesus you know, died and was raised from the dead and confess that with your mouth that he is your Lord, you will be saved. But make sure you get the repentance part in there too. That's important. What is repentance? It doesn't mean it could be bawling and crying at an altar. That can happen, but that but really repentance, it's, I think it's the Greek word metanyao. It's a change of mind, a change of heart. It's a change of direction. It's 180 degrees. Walking with the world and turning and walking with Jesus, giving your life to Him. Now I've decided to follow Jesus. I did that a long time ago. I know with many of you it has been. You know that old song? If you do, sing it with me. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. The world behind me, the cross before me, the world behind me, the cross before me, the world behind me, the cross before me, no turning back. No turning back, though none go with me, still I will follow. Though none go with me, still I will follow. Though none go with me, still I will follow. Turning back, no turning back. Another verse to that. Will you decide now to follow Jesus? Will you decide now to follow Jesus? Will you decide now to follow Jesus? No turning back, no turning back. Hallelujah. Let's sing this. I love you, Jesus. You are my Savior.
And if you're doing it right now, hallelujah, and you can sing this with us. I love you, Jesus. You are my Savior. I love you, Jesus. You are my Savior. I love you, Jesus. You are my Savior. No turning back. No turning back. I love you, Father. You love me deeply. I love you, Father. You love me deeply. I love you, Father. You love me deeply. I love you, Father. I love me deeply. No turning back. No turning back. We're not going to turn back. Amen. We're going to keep on going right to that day when Jesus comes for all of us or for us as individuals. We're going to keep on keeping on keeping on. No turning back. Amen. Hallelujah. Planting the seeds of the word of God and reaping in the harvest. It's a beautiful thing. It's a wonderful thing to pray with someone to receive Jesus. So it's simple in a way. It's the biggest life-changing thing there ever was. And we have the privilege of doing it as long as we're here and we have breath on this earth and we're going to do it. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we thank you. Hallelujah. Amen. We love you, Father God. We love you, Father God. We love you, Father God, on this Father's Day. And have wonderful times with your fathers, those of you that can. And um, if anyone would like prayer, please come forward here afterwards. Or find someone to pray with you. You know, we're every believer, a minister here. So you can do that. And uh, we'll have fellowship here together. It's not a meal today. But uh, we'll, there's a lot of fellowship. There's a coffee bar right? and some goodies there. I could smell them bacon this morning. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. God bless you. We'll see you, see you soon.
exempt.